Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Surviving Advance, Kansas is headed to the Sweet 16. Their season is still alive, so this podcast is still alive. Not that I would just cut bait as soon as the season ends for KU, but you know how it feels. Every single game, you wonder, is this it? Is this the end of it, or is this just the start of something special? I think this podcast is the start of something special. Grady Dick is one of the top high school players in the country. He's headed to Kansas next year. He's a McDonald's All-American. He is a Gatorade National Player of the Year finalist. His team, Sunrise Christian Academy in Wichita, is headed to the Geico Nationals coming up here in a couple of weeks. So we're going to talk to him about being recruited through the pandemic, and if he's ready to embrace becoming one of college basketball's villains. When you are a confident, borderline cocky white kid who likes to shoot a bunch of threes and can dunk, and you're going to sign up to play at Kansas, yeah, Big 12 teams are going to have fun with you. I want you to think about this question throughout the next couple of minutes. What you thought would happen for Kansas in the NCAA tournament, what you thought should happen, and what did end up happening. And I'm not talking about the outcome of the game, but I'm talking about sort of the micro. What happened within the game, how Kansas played, who they played through, and what ended up panning out in those two games. But mostly that game against Creighton on Saturday. It was immediately evident from the first two possessions of the game what Creighton was trying to do to Kansas defensively. Their big guy, Kalkbrenner, he goes out, and that's one of the main reasons why I think a lot of people looked at that Creighton-San Diego State matchup and said, okay, well, both of these teams have elite shot blockers. They provide length inside, and that has at times been what has troubled KU's offense. Go back to the Kentucky game. Go back to both of the, the regular season matchups versus TCU. San Diego State had more of it throughout the lineup whereas Creighton just had that elite rim protector. But he goes out with the ankle injury, and all of a sudden, Creighton's game plan is out the window, and you have one game to figure something out. And the thing that Creighton figured out, and, and kudos to Greg McDermott, who came up with a fantastic game plan on the fly, was that we're just going to ignore the point guard. And at the start of the game, that was Dewan Harris. And if you're an opposing coach, and if you've watched KU all year, which if you're listening to this, you probably have, 
It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Right? If, if there's one guy we are just going to completely ignore, it's Dewan Harris. And what we're going to do instead is clog up those driving lanes. We're going to take all the driving opportunities away from Christian and Ochai. And I single those two guys out and not Jalen because think about how those guys play versus Jalen. Jalen is a little bit more of a distributor. He can create for others a little bit more and he has more length. Not that he's necessarily a better athlete because he's not. He can just do some different things when he drives that I think makes him, again, I don't mean this to be a knock, but a little less one-dimensional when he is driving the ball. And that's why I think early on, it almost looked like Jalen was uncomfortable because he was getting driving opportunities and opportunities to score on almost every single possession. And I think at some point, human nature kicks in where you say, am I going to shoot the ball 25 times today? Because he could have. If Jalen wanted to, he could have shot the ball 25 times because it felt like they were daring him to score on every possession. And you want guys to be aggressive in those situations, but when it's not how you play as a team, at some point you kind of say, all right, what's the adjustment here? Because there's no way this can be our game plan of me just scoring. I think back to that Washington game. This is a deep pull. The Washington game, I think it was 2018 in the Sprint Center where uh, Hopkins, the coach for the, the Syracuse disciple, they ran that zone and they just dared Legere Vic to shoot the ball 25 times. And he was like, really? Do I just do, do I just shoot it every single time I touch it? Because at some point you, you sort of mess with guys. You get in their heads and I think that's what happened early on. It was the, I think, under 16 timeout at the Creighton game. And Creighton was up 13 to nine over Kansas. And Harris and Wilson at that point were two of seven from the field. The two guys who Creighton said will live and die by those guys taking shots on every possession were two of seven. Then all of a sudden, Redmi comes in and provides an immediate spark. Remy Martin is not one of the reasons why Kansas is in the Sweet 16. He is the reason. He is the reason why KU beat Creighton and why they're going to the Sweet 16. He came in the game, and Creighton did not change up their defensive game plan. And McDermott even talked about this. He admitted, you know, that was probably a mistake. What are you going to do, right? You're, you're coming up with a game plan on the fly, and you're missing one of your best players. But he just dared Remy Martin to shoot. And Remy, unlike Dewan and Jalen, has no problem firing if you're going to leave him open. And that's what happened. The first two possessions he was in, he's open. And he just takes a three. Knocks both of them down. And then he had the, the dime to Jalen on the fast break. He had the denial on Alexander that forced the Christian Brown steal. That led to two. It was a seven to nothing run in, I think, a minute and two seconds when he came in. And all of a sudden, KU went from being down four to being up five. I want to go back to that question that I asked you at the beginning. What you thought would happen in this game, what you thought should happen, and what you saw actually happen. Because what you probably thought should happen, what I thought should happen, is that in March, your best players are going to carry you. Ochai, Dave, the guys you run offense through, you can't afford to have both of them have off nights and expect to advance throughout the tournament. But they had an off night against Creighton. They combined to go 7 of 22, and I know there's a bigger conversation to be had about Ochai and his struggle shooting the ball. Really, I mean, the past couple of months, if you look at his, kind of his three-point numbers, it's sort of startling to see that he's really been off for a while now. Not scoring, just shooting. Because as it turns out, and we saw this play, play out down the stretch for both Dave and Ochai, that there are ways to impact the game other than shooting. Defense, hustle plays, and they made a hell of a lot of them. So to say that those two guys just simply struggled, probably not fair. But they struggled scoring. They struggled shooting the ball. 
And when those are the two guys who take the highest percentage of shots when they're on the floor, that's a problem. And I know that there is maybe some uh, a level of nervousness or anxiety that comes with, okay, well, what's going to happen here? Because you need your two best players to come in and carry you. Well, maybe Remy should be entering that conversation because he has been the team's best player for two weeks now. Really dating back to the second game, the TCU game of the Big 12 tournament and then the first two games of the NCAA. And now I know the Texas Southern game, we're not going to glean much from that, but he was KU's best player in both games in Fort Worth. He's a guy who's coming alive at the right time. And I wonder if it's maybe time to start talking about him as him being the, the third guy in that conversation. Now, again, this isn't meant to be a slight towards CB or Jalen because they both have very integral roles, but I think it's also obvious that neither one of them are going to be your go-to guys offensively. Both of them sort of get their scoring through the flow of the offense where you're not really running sets for them. And Remy, you're not running sets for him either. He scored 20 points. How many of them were on set plays? How many of them were, okay, this is what we're going to do, and then if it gets back to you and you're open, you score. If not, this is the next play. None of them. None of them. All hustle plays, all him going and getting his own, all five seconds left on the shot clock, let me go and get us a bucket. And he's the best player on this team suited to do that. 29 minutes, 20 points, 7 of 14 from the field, hit a couple of clutch free throws down the stretch, also, like, kind of quietly, seven rebounds, four assists. He stuffed the stat sheet, and he now belongs in the conversation of being one of KU's go-to guys. I don't want to make this about who needs to be starting. I don't want to make this about lineups, because I'm honestly, it's at best two weeks left in the season. Martin played 29 minutes. Dewan Harris played 17. And who was in the game at the end in crunch time when it mattered? It was Remy. So that is, a, is also some insight into exactly where he's at in the Bill self-trust tree. Probably uh, in a little better standing than he was a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago. If you've been listening to this all season long, you know I've been back and forth on Remy. Early on, I, I thought that they needed him to get to the point where they wanted to be as a team. Then I sort of reverted back to whatever. This is what it is. He doesn't play enough defense, which by the way, I mean, he was outstanding. The effort that he gave on defense versus Creighton was unlike anything that I've ever seen from him. It's not like he's you know, turning into Marcus Garrett out there, but at least for him, right? That was always his weakness. And Greg McDermott said as much after the game, talking about this is a different player than we saw when we played him at Arizona State a couple of years ago. So maybe that's a credit to him for buying in and sort of embracing all of the other things that Bill Self requires of his point guards. And if it is... Kudos, because we already know what he can provide as a shot maker. Now, if he's doing all the other stuff, you're talking about him rounding into a really, really good player. I mean, if you're making a, a starting five of players you saw through the first week into the NCAA tournament, Remy Martin's your point guard. He's been one of the five best players in the country. Now, it's only two games, and you don't know how long that hot streak's going to last. But I know that he is going to last in this lineup and in this rotation. So again, I want to ask you about that question. What you thought would happen down the stretch in that game. You probably thought that Ochai, your All-American, your Big 12 Player of the Year, the guy who's going to have his name hanging in the Allen Fieldhouse rafters someday, is the dude you're going to run offense through. But that didn't happen. And then you go back to the end of last season, where KU didn't have any go-to offensive players. So they were forced to run offense in a pretty inefficient way through David McCormick in the post. And that's what we saw happen. We saw them late game go back to Dave, post-touch, 
what the hell is going on. Why not feed the All-American? What you probably thought should happen, though, is that Remy Martin should get a touch. Because for 28 minutes at that point, he was KU's best player. And I think that's the next step for this team and for him individually. This learning on the fly stuff, this Remy Martin becoming an alpha at the end of the season, it's all great. But it's also really difficult for everybody else on the roster to sort of figure out where they fit in as well. Because when a lot of your stuff is coming off script, I think it makes it increasingly more difficult for Ochai and CB and Jalen and Dave to sort of figure out how their games are supposed to adapt now that you're playing with a point guard who is completely opposite of the guy who you've played 95% of the season with. And nobody's saying they would rather see Dewan in the game than Remy, but you can't ignore the reality of the adjustment that that must be for a bunch of guys who are saying, okay, well, now our point guard likes to go off script. Now we've got a point guard who likes to pull up from three. He likes to pull up from 18 feet. He wants to put it on the deck. I mean, just imagine. Imagine what that would do to a bunch of other guys who would have to now do the same thing that Remy's doing, which is adjust, adapt, do it all on the fly, and do it while winning. It's not the easiest thing in the world. But this is where you're at right now, and it's a great thing because we've been waiting all season long for it to happen. But that question as to what you think should happen moving forward, your guess is as good as mine. Do you think that Ochai needs to change his game dramatically to fit in with Remy Martin? Do you think Remy needs to be more cognizant of those set plays and figure out how to involve others more? Is the onus on Bill Self to try and find a way to get that happy medium where you're bringing the best out of your improvisational point guard while also not stymieing the rest of the offense? This is nobody's fault, and none of this is a bad thing. But it's a reality that you don't have any perfect answers from here on out. But that's why we say survive in advance, because it doesn't need to look pretty. You don't need to have your All-Americans or your go-to guys look great every single night. As long as you get the win, you look up at the scoreboard, give it a thumbs up, and move on. That's exactly what KU's doing. Okay, he's one of the members of the 2022 Kansas basketball recruiting class. He's a McDonald's All-American. He is a National Player of the Year finalist. He's one of the top players for Sunrise Christian Academy, the number one high school team in the country. Grady Dick, good to talk to you, man. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, it's it's been fun watching your career. And the first time I was like, okay, this kid's going to be interesting is when you were named a McDonald's All-American and you did the little, uh, did the little photo shoot at McDonald's. <laughs> and I said, the Big 12 is going to love this kid are you ready to uh to be the most hated man in the conference next year of course of course that i mean again it's my name i'm used to it by now so i just kind of make a joke jokes about it so i mean anything that comes with it i just have fun with it yeah i mean you've certainly got a little swagger about you and being a kansas going to big 12 arenas like they're going to give you everything you have you are their super bowl but you've You've got a little extra edge to you. I'm curious, do you do you embrace being a villain? I don't know if villain is even the right term for it, but do you embrace having that target on your back? Oh, most definitely. Uh, I feel like, obviously, the atmosphere in Allen is going to be crazy, but I think something I'm, like, a little more excited about is playing in those kind of those rival gyms and um, having those kind of packed out and kind of stepping on the court there. Because, you know, when you're at Kansas – everyone's going to play their best games against you. So, um, and you're the most hated school, obviously, um, not only in the state, but 
um, pretty much in the country. So I feel like going into the kind of away games and, um, you know, kind of getting the fans going, kind of knowing them is what's, what excites me the most. How many KU games have you been to at the Fieldhouse? Dang, that's hard to say. I mean... Is it a lot? Yeah, of course. I've, okay. I'm from Wichita, so I get up a lot. Yeah, I wasn't sure, like, as a kid, were you going to a lot of games? Yeah, yeah. I had three three siblings go through Kansas, so I've been there a few times. Mm-hmm. What's what, what's some of your earlier memories of going to games or just watching KU in general? Um, i say probably... Guys like Wayne Selden and Jeff Withy, kind of like those guys. I remember, I think my first ever KU game was with Jeff Withy. It was kind of funny. Uh, I got there and actually got sick, kind of threw up all over the bathroom. <laughs> People Wait, just walking in. How old were you? I, I don't even know. I was, I was little. I was little. I was probably like elementary school oh yeah so you weren't on any sort of visit you were just there as a fan and no. you were getting <laughs> sick no, in the I, was, I was a fan i was a fan yeah. <laughs> man yeah wow with you yeah that's that's only about eight or nine years ago what was it about kansas you're a local kid but you're on the national scene as a prep player because you're one of the top yeah. kids in the country you're one of the top players in the country you get offers from all over the place what was it about Kansas that ultimately drew you back in? I think just, I'd probably say just the family aspect of it. Um, not only just me being from here, that was obviously a big part of it, but i say just um, just the atmosphere there, the people there. Um, the coaching staff is the best coaching staff I was ever recruited by. Um, and yeah, like I said before, growing up here and kind of being at the, um, the gym and everything, um, different games. Um, and I feel like my siblings helped a lot too, because I was up in Lawrence, like I said, I'm just kind of visiting around when they'd have different activities with their kind of school holidays and things like that. But like once I started getting recruited, I had a lot of people kind of help me, um, especially my mom, because she kind of went through that recruiting scene when she was um, my age. Um, she ended up going to Iowa State. That's what I was boy. But so she kind of helped me uh, just keep my head on straight and kind of take that little fanboy kind of, sense out of my head and just find the best personal fit for me and fortunately it was kansas in the end when you say the uh the family atmosphere what do you mean by that um just how everyone gets along there like it's the best uh venue in college basketball and the history behind the school obviously with like literally the rules written down in the gym but um i say the family aspect came kind of came from the coaches first and just seeing how the coaching staff like just reacts and treats each other. Like I'll just be in a room chilling with um, some of them on a visit and it's just jokes all day. So it felt like the perfect fit. How do you notice that when you go on visits? I'm just curious. And this isn't meant to trash other places. So I don't expect you to name, you know, other coaches or other places. But when you're going on visits and you notice that maybe they don't have that same atmosphere, what was it like? Is it just more business-like? Is it more rigid? Are the conversations less realistic? What did you notice that made you realize what Kansas did have? I feel like KU just had more of a, it was just more realistic, like just day to day, like going on visits, like seeing um, stuff through, just through the coach's eyes. But more importantly, guys like um, some of my friends, like Christian on the team, kind of seeing it from a player's view and kind of seeing that kind of background of the school is a lot different than I got at any other school because I had that relationship already kind of built with the players at KU and 
kind of guys I grew up watching and then ended up kind of playing against. So for me to kind of get that background into the school was, it was a big advantage. How much do you talk to Zach? Zach I talked to him. I mean, every day, like every other day and just text kind of keep up Snapchat stuff like that. What's he told you about Kansas? How much was he recruiting you and trying to get you to join him? No, it was, it was huge. It was kind of funny because we all live in this one house at sunrise. It's kind of two houses, but the one house I'm in, my roommate was Zach and then upstairs was Kendall. So he's at Baylor right now. So it was kind of funny them kind of two going head to head, but yeah, no, Zach, it was just, it was a big advantage, obviously him being my roommate, but me being from here too. So it was just, it was all good. He's been a little injured this year, but I know KU fans are excited about him. He's looked really good. He's had spurts like the Oklahoma game where he kind of came in and, and sort of took over for the bigs down the stretch, I think was big. And you've, you've played a lot with him. You spent a lot of time around him. We've just seen, I feel like the tip of the iceberg with him. Once he gets a little bit more comfortable next year, he's going to be in year two. Like what kind of player do you think he can be? Yeah, I think he can be huge. I mean, he will be huge because he's one of the guys that like, he doesn't really let a lot of things affect him. And I think that's huge as a, as not only a player, but just as a person. So um, he's always going to be ready. Um, you can kind of see that this year with the chances he got and he was able to capitalize on them. So um, just him as a person, I know he's always going to bounce back. I'm um, just from adversity. So I no really worries about that at all. All right, let's talk about your game a little bit. For somebody who hasn't watched you, if you're given the, the scouting report on yourself, how would you describe your game? I'd say me, um, versatile. I'd say I'm a versatile uh, offensive player where I can kind of do a lot of different things offensively with due to my shot. I'd probably say I'm known as the shooter first because, you know, I just um, come into the game and then try to get a bunch of shots up. But at the same time, I had the ability to, you know, like if guys are flying at me, I can pump fake, finish above the rim and kind of show people and kind of surprise them with my athletic ability. But, you know, they always call it the little sneaky bounce. You know, it's a little a little white term, but it's whatever. Yeah, well, Christian Brown's been getting that for three years. Man. <laughs> of course. We're used to it. We're used to it. How tall are you? Are you 6'6"? Six, 6'7". Six? Six, yeah. Okay. When you guys are in high school, like the it's like one side will have you at six five, the other side will have you at six seven. Come on, this one website had me at like six, like six five, and then like ten pounds and lighter every year. <laughs> I do are. How's your range? I know you like to shoot. If you say just somebody's a shooter, you're almost like confining them to just shooting, but it's obviously mm-hmm. a big part of your game. Uh, how deep do you go? I mean, as long as long as I'm allowed, you know. <laughs> if I had a green light, I'm going to let it go. I mean, if it's going in, if I see it going a bunch, you know, it's not really going to affect me. So, When the coaching staff's recruiting you, and I don't know who your primary recruiter was, but how deep into the weeds, how detailed are they getting on how they see you fitting and, and what your role is going to be next year? Um, it was It was great. I mean, a big – the first one I started recruiting me was obviously what made it huge was Coach Self. Um, kind of crazy story it was like sophomore it was a it was a summer going into sophomore year we had this little showcase and um he was there in missouri and he kind of watched beside the baseline and it was where like i was too young for coaches to kind of like talk to me personally so it's kind of funny he had to get kind of go through one of my coaches and at the gym and be like coach self you know coach self wants to talk to you and so i was just kind of like i was like whoa and i told my mom i was like mom coach self wants to talk to me 
and they're all like surprised. So I got, I got the phone and he offered right then and there. And so I feel like that was the biggest advantage for me was um, hearing from the head coach personally. And then just throughout the years, uh, um, coach Norm has been huge every weekend. He's probably the most I talked to him and then coach Q. I've had a lot of connections with him. That's what I'm saying. Just like the family stuff is, yeah. is all there because coach Q, I literally know his son from run GMC, uh, AU program so it's just it's all connections i'm curious with covid and i know events were canceled and maybe i think there was geico two years ago that got shut down if i have that correctly yeah it was um, a year before me. yeah so have you noticed that affecting recruitment it feels mm-hmm. like there's just not as much access to your guys stuff and maybe i'm sure it's different for coaches they're getting film and all sorts of stuff but have you have you noticed how it sort of affected how coaches are getting to watch you or, or come see you in person? Yeah, of course. Yeah, COVID definitely just kind of turned the whole world upside down. But I say, like, yeah, the recruiting stuff. I got I got pretty lucky because a lot of my offers, I think pretty much like everyone, but maybe a few came before COVID. So I already had the ability to kind of like make a couple of those unofficial visits and um, talk to a lot of the schools before kind of COVID affected everything. But um once COVID affected everything it was kind of the visits that kind of messed mine up my recruiting up because I couldn't obviously go on a bunch of them so it was more just kind of zoom calls like this with with coaches and everything but yeah like I said I was lucky to kind of get all that all set before it really affected the whole you know setting what did it mean to you when you were selected to the McDonald's All-American team oh it was huge it was it was just crazy to me because it wasn't really um, I mean, I had a lot of goals. Me and my dad sat down at the beginning of the season. Um, like every, every year he has me kind of write my things in, on paper. So um, for me to write a couple of those goals and McDonald's, actually, I don't even know if it was on that paper. So um, when I went throughout the year and kind of realized um, I have a good chance to actually be on it, it was kind of surreal when I got to, I made the roster and I kind of, you know, see the history behind it all. And that's what I, the reason I ask is about the the recruiting stuff is because I feel like there's been less of an opportunity to see top players like you guys sort of showcase mm. yourselves nationally. But yeah. McDonald's All American, even for people who aren't paying attention, like that's the first time they're going to tune in, and for a lot of people, it'll be the first time they've ever heard of you or ever see you. So, like, what do you hope to accomplish there in a couple weeks in Chicago? I mean, it's just it's just another you know couple week or week week or so to just kind of show everyone um, what I do on the court and kind of show those scouts that come and um, what I do during the drills you know during the game but a lot of it's kind of what a lot of people might not see of just the week of practices that lead up to the game is where a lot of the scouts kind of come in and watch and you know just doing that just kind of just being myself and showing them what I have and then on the other side of that just um, meeting back with a lot of the guys I hadn't seen over the year and that I played with and played against and kind of being on their team and playing against each other. So it's just, it's all around excitement. What is it about sunrise that, that attracted you and what is it about it? That's maybe brought the best out of you. Uh, I say sunrise has everything that I want, wanted and needed. Um, at the time, you know, I was being, uh, just kind of talked to by, you know, coach Luke a little, not as much from him because I was kind of still in my high school season with my old high school, but um, a lot of advice and kind of recruitment from guys like Kendall Brown and um, Ty Berry. Um, that's another Kansas kid and he's a Northwestern right now, but yeah, just kind of 
insight from them of what the school really was was like. And I think the huge thing was it's literally in my backyard. It's like 15 minutes away from, you know, my house. So to have a, a top, you know, school like that in her backyard is kind of a no brainer for me and my family. But um, another thing, too, is just the, you know, the faith aspect. I'm a Christian school, so um, my family and I really love that, too. So we were just getting, you know, all, all around. What would it mean to you to win nationals, to go to Geico in Florida here in a, a week or two and take care of business and avenge some stuff from last season? It'd be huge. Yeah, like you said, last season uh, we came in second. So um, the whole goal this year was to get back there and um, get to the, the same position, but, you know, make it better this time. So, yeah, like, like I said, that's the goal, and that's what we've been trying to do all year. Do you have any NIL stuff in the works? Like this used to be like, I, I couldn't even ask you guys about this, but now that it's all on the table, but it's brand new. Have you explored that? Do you talk to anybody about it? What's that been like? Yeah. Yeah. I'm lucky because, you know, for prep schools, the rules are allowed, you know, to do kind of start doing the NIL stuff. Cause if I was at my old high school, I think whatever the Kansas, you know, league kind of division wouldn't allow that. But since I'm, you know, on the prep circuit, I can kind of start doing all those. So, um, I have my dad, you know, he's, he's huge. He literally handles like pretty much like everything. Cause I'll get, I'll get uh, a bunch of little like deals kind of asked and um, stuff to do. But I think it's just my dad that kind of, you know, keeps, keeps that going. Cause he always tells me he's going to, you know, take care of it all, but just have me play my game and then he's going to, you know, take care of it. So it's just huge. I know you got a, a lot coming up, but it's an exciting time for you. So I appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to me. Best of luck uh, in Chicago here next week and then Geico after that and whatever else is in store. I know you got a busy summer ahead. So thank you, man. All right. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. All right. Mailbag. We do this every episode. If you want to send a question in, you can do so on Twitter at Nick underscore Schwartz. I made the mistake of not sending out the mailbag prompt immediately after the game when everybody's on Twitter, when KU fans are in a frenzy. I waited until Sunday afternoon when everyone was probably out at brunch or hanging out with their family. So that's my mistake. But we do have three really good questions. So I guess we're going with quality over quantity on this week's mailbag. First question, is it time to start Remy or is he better served to watch how the game develops and sub on four to six minutes into the game? Hashtag, we don't talk about Remy, a nod to Jayhawk Talk Radio, which by the way, you can hear Wednesday nights at six o'clock on 610 Sports Radio with my guys, uh, Kevin and Andrew from Jayhawk Talk. Uh, I'm not sure that it matters all that much if Remy starts the game or not. I think for coaches, like Bill will always say that it doesn't matter who starts the game, which is funny because Bill, I think, is also very superstitious. So if he continues to start Dewan, although Remy you know, plays 10 to 12 minutes more than Dewan per game, that would, to me, would be the clearest indicator that he's only doing it because he doesn't want to mess with dudes. Like, maybe, it may not mean much, but Remy clearly is fine coming off the bench. It's not hurting his play. And if that's the case, then what's it matter those first four minutes if you continue to run the sets, you know, like you said, to see how the game develops by running the offense that you want to run and see how the other team responds. Because... That's what's going to be fascinating moving forward is seeing how opposing defenses respond like for the first four minutes, knowing that, okay, 
you're going to play with DeWan right now, but the second the backup point guard comes in, everything changes. It doesn't just change for Remy. It changes for the other four guys on the court as well, like we just talked about in the open. You have to understand that as, an, as a defense that you're, you're going to see multiple styles of Kansas basketball. You're going to see this style where you've got a point guard that wants to distribute and run set plays and get his wings involved and get post touches. And then you're going to see uh, another style where it's sort of a variation of that, but also you've got this little Tasmanian devil at point guard who at any given moment can sort of take things into his own hands. And that can be a blessing and it can be a curse. We've seen both. For Kansas this year, I think as of late, it's been all aces, and that's great. But I don't know what adjustment teams are going to make. Teams are slow to adjust. I think that's another thing that should be noted. Opposing teams, and, and maybe it's just more of a of like the second game, like if you're playing in the, the round of 32 or the Elite Eight where you only have the one-game turnaround, more than like this current situation where now Providence has you know, five days to get ready for Kansas. It's always been startling to me that teams, like I would imagine Providence is not going to game plan for Remy Martin. I could be completely wrong. Ed Cooley may, you know, come out and have this game plan that's designed to sort of force him into making mistakes or making life difficult on him. But Remy's a really good basketball player. He's a really good shot maker. I think the knock on him has been at times effort, especially defensively. Um, uh, the time, the questions for him this year have been. Can you just run these plays? Can you just run these set plays? Do you know where to be? Do you know the playbook? Do you know where this is supposed to go, where that's supposed to go, where you're supposed to move when he passes it there? That's been the frustration. I think that's been, uh, in some form or fashion, why he hasn't played as much as a lot of people would would want. But I'm going to be curious to see how Providence and moving forward, if it's Auburn after that, uh, how teams are going to game plan for him. Because... It's really difficult to see a team play a certain way for 99% of their season, and then all of a sudden, the most recent form of them is playing in a, a different way that in a lot of ways is an enhanced version of themselves. That's going to be fascinating to start, but to, to answer your question, I don't think it's time to start Remy. I, I don't think he's going to start at all. I got, I'll make that perfect. I do not think he is going to start a single game in the NCAA tournament but I still expect him to play 25 to 34 minutes a night, which is, I think, what a lot of people have been asking for all season long. All right, next question from Kyle. What has the first weekend of the tourney meant for the Bill Self Transfer Portal narrative? What has the Bill Self Transfer Portal narrative been? Has it just been that he is not the, the best coach that you would want to play under in the transfer portal? I did see a tweet from, and maybe this is what this is in reference to, I think it was from Des Moines. So Joe Yesifu went to Drake in Iowa. And is, is Drake in Des Moines? I should know this. I should know my small Iowa colleges. I think it might be. Anyway, this guy was saying that, you know, it was a picture of Joe Yesifu in a Kansas uniform. And he said, you know, Joseph Yesifu was one of the stars of March Madness last year. And this year he hardly plays for Kansas. And then it had his very lackluster stat line. I think it actually said, oh, you know, he may be happy, but, you know, the transfer portal, it's not always great. Bet you still wish you were a Drake, right? Missing the tournament, scoring 25 a game. It's fucking ridiculous. I think a lot of the narrative has been fair, though, on the transfer portal. I think Bill Self is a demanding coach. I think he is less 
interested in having guys improvise. He is maybe a little more rigid in what he expects to see, especially, you know, if we want to talk about this year, the, the point guard spot. You bring in two guys in Joe and Remy, and Joe a little bit less than Remy, but I mean, guys who like to do their own thing. They're, they're used to being the alphas. They're used to sort of being able to go off script and get their own and create. And that's the reason why you brought them in. And I think it has been a bit of a, a bit of an adjustment for Bill to sort of loosen the reins and the constraints on what he wants to see from, from that position. And it's not to say that he hasn't done it in the past because you look back to guys like Devon and Devante and Frank who could kind of do their own thing, but they earned that over the course of several years. It's tough to do that, to earn the trust in four or five months. So I think a lot of the narrative has been fair, but I don't know exactly what the narrative is. If it's just that you don't want to transfer to play under Bill Self, that's probably a little bit ridiculous. And I think that moving forward, this is the first year of it, right? This is the first year of the transfer portal where guys are immediately eligible to play, where you can go in and plug your holes. Find a, a weakness on your team. Go find the perfect player, the player that you seem or you deem to be best fit to fill that void and hope it works out. But it's a lot like the same narrative that's been sort of thrown out about Bill's uh, coaching of one and dones, which again, I mean, the track record's not fantastic. It's not Coach K. It's not John Calipari. And I think that's again because of... You just, He's a control freak. And I mean that as a, as a po- in a positive way. It's the reason why KU wins a lot of games every year. It's a reason why they win the Big 12. It's a reason why they're able to you know, claw out these games where it doesn't feel like they're in a position to win. But it's also, at times, cost Kansas. And maybe in a, you know, in a different season, Remy Martin's not being given the ability to go out and win the game for KU against Creighton like he was. I don't know. Maybe it all was a health thing all along. Who knows? But, it, I mean, Remy's turning into one of the best players in the country over the last two weeks. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great sign for whatever narratives may be out there about Bill Self and you know, his unwillingness to sort of hand the reins over to guys who haven't necessarily earned the trust in ways that he's used to giving out trust. All right, last one. Like I said, quality over quantity this week. I know it's too soon to ask this, but who's the most likely KU player to hit the transfer portal at the end of the season, if any? As much as I'd hate to see it, have to think KJ is at the top of that list. You know, you know, KJ Adams hasn't played a ton this year. I would just ask you this, and I'm and, and I'm not alluding to anything, but why KJ over Zach Clements, right? Because both of those guys are freshmen, big guys, haven't been able to carve out consistent roles in the lineup. But the two guys who have held down those roles all season long. Dave and Mitch are both gone next year. Now, I know you're, you're bringing in um, that one McDonald's All-American center, but again, he's a freshman. These guys were freshmen, so I'm not convinced that he's going to immediately come in and be that dude. It's going to be a young team next year. I would think any amount of experience is going to help, and I would think KJ and Zach both have really uh, clear paths to playing 15, 20 minutes a game. The interesting one for me honestly, is not KJ or Zach. And I'm not saying that those guys won't transfer because at this point, I don't know. It's so easy to transfer and you know coaches are already in these dudes' ears. The guys who were recruiting them, who maybe were amongst the finalists, who are already texting them and saying, man, see, I told you you should have came over here. I told you you should have came and played with us. 
I will say this, if KU goes on a run in March, uh, that can heal a lot of uh, bad feelings about your role or your position on the team. So from that standpoint, I, I'm not really convinced that anybody's necessarily going to transfer. Joe is actually the interesting one because Remy will be gone next year, but Dewan's going to be back. And there's no reason to think that in one year, Joe is going to be able to overtake Dewan. And even when Remy wasn't playing, Joe wasn't playing a ton. Now, maybe he'll have a great offseason or you know maybe another year with the system is going to help him learn the playbook, earn the trust of himself, understand what he wants. It's, it's, tough to, it's tough to see a, a consistent role like lined up and handed to you. I don't know what the rule is on Joe's transfer eligibility, though, since he's already transferred once before. Would he have to sit out a year? I, I believe so, right? Like that was the whole point of, of the transfer portal. So maybe that, maybe that impacts his willingness to, to want to transfer. You never know how these guys feel. That's the other part of this that I think is important to remember is we on the outside can look at a guy who's not playing a ton and say, oh, maybe he should transfer. Maybe he should go somewhere else where he could play. But for all you know, these guys, like, embrace it. For all you know, these guys knew what they were signing up for. They understand it, and they're fine with it. So it's difficult to say, but I would say history is an indicator. One guy will transfer. Like, if you go back over the years and just go year by year, almost every single year, somebody's transferring out. Last year, it was a lot, but that was the beginning of the transfer portal. So maybe that does make it easy for a guy like Zach or KJ, but... And these guys are going to have meetings with the coaches before they leave and when the offseason begins, before they go home. And I'm sure a lot of those meetings are going to revolve around the offseason and what they sort of view for next year. And if I'm Bill talking to Zach or KJ, I'm saying, hey, man, uh, the two guys who were eating up the lion's share of the minutes in the front court, they're both gone. You've been here for a year. You work on this, that, then I don't see any reason why you couldn't be our guy down low. Like both of those dudes have great chances. So there's going to be some roster overturn with Ochai being gone as well. I know it's a, it's a really solid class coming in, so it'd be difficult to tell. But if they do transfer, isn't there a little bit less anxiety about it now knowing that you can just turn around and fill that void the same way that those guys are filling voids at other schools? We're only one year into it. It's... Uh, it's a fascinating, fascinating new world we live in here in college basketball. But I'm excited we're still doing this podcast because you know what this means? The fact that we did one on Monday means that we're going to do one on Wednesday as well because we're doing two podcasts a week. I don't know. If KU would have lost him, you may not have got two this week. But now you get two, and that means you're going to get at least one next week, win or lose, no matter what happens this weekend in Chicago. As always, please subscribe, rate, review. Thank you so much for the time. We'll see you on Wednesday. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. (laughs) 
Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.